Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Keep in mind, if you've been with us, and maybe you haven't been, The book of Revelation is a three-section outline. There's a three-section outline to the book of Revelation. The first section is chapter 1. It deals with the things that we have seen or the things that John has seen. What has John seen? John has seen the resurrected and the glorified Christ in chapter 1. And then the second section is chapters 2 and three, which deal with the things which shall take place after this. Pardon me. Sections, the second section is chapter two and three, and actually it deals with the things that are. Let me not forget that. The things that are. What is the church age, John says. Those seven epics of church history in chronological order. The things that are. Chapters two, And chapters three. And then the third and the final section, here it is, chapters four through 22, deals with the things which shall take place after this. Now, if you haven't been with us, the word after this is the Greek word metatauta. It spells M E T A T A U T A. After this. And what does it mean? It means after this. After what? After the church age. After that seven epics of church history in chronological order, John tells us in chapter 4, verse 1, that he was caught up into the heavenlies. And the first thing that John sees when he is caught up into the heavenlies is the throne of God. Now, last week we talked about some things about the throne. Number one, we talked about the prominence of the throne. John saw a throne that was set in heaven, the prominence of the throne, and then the person on the throne. You want to take note that John didn't see an image. When he was caught up into heaven, he didn't see an image or form. John saw colors. When he saw the person on the throne, John saw a light show, if you will. He saw colors, jasper, like a diamond with many colors in it. And then he saw the Sardis stone, which is red like ruby, this red ruby stone. He saw the person on the throne, which is Jesus Christ. And then he saw, thirdly, the proclamation of the throne. We talked about that. The proclamation of the throne. A rainbow, the Bible says, was around the throne, which speaks of the grace of God and then the people around the throne, the 24 elders John saw, the prominence of the throne, 
the person on the throne, the proclamation of the throne, and the people around the throne, there in the heavenly scene. Well, this morning, we actually go back to heaven for a peek into paradise and a glimpse into glory as we continue to talk about the throne room of God. This morning, we pick up in Revelation chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. If you are there, would you say a hearty amen? Amen. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, you guys say this with me, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, say verse 11 with me. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Now, before we jump right into these verses, You know, I think it's unfortunate that when we talk about heaven or you talk to people about heaven, they think you're talking about pie in the sky. That's sad. And it's also sad that the only thing that many people know about heaven is the Hollywood heaven. The Hollywood heaven is different than the biblical heaven. How many times have you seen a heavenly Hollywood scene with Jesus sitting on the throne. Never. Instead, the Hollywood heaven, in the Hollywood heaven, everything is white. Have you noticed that? Which is kind of boring. I mean, they need some color in heaven. You know what I'm saying. Say amen. There you go. Thank you. Why? Because heaven is not, everything's just not white in heaven and, and naked little curly hair babies are floating around on the clouds strumming their harps. That's the, the Hollywood heaven. You see, that's, that's boring. And I, and I would admit, some people say, well, I don't want to go to heaven because it's boring. Well, yeah, I guess so. That is boring. But the biblical heaven, listen, the biblical heaven, you will never be bored. There will be plenty to do. You know, I, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. And we'll have all these guys we've been studying the Bible about, and, you know, David and Noah. And, you know, I, I can't wait to get to heaven and ask Noah, what was it like to be in the ark with all of those animals? Phew. It's funky in heaven. Or in the ark. And ask David, David, what was it like to slay Goliath? You know, I can't wait. And, and, and you know, ladies, you guys like to, you ladies like to do like the tea parties and stuff. You know, when you get to heaven, you know, all you ladies, Esther and Deborah and Mary can all get together and have a tea party. And of course, Martha will serve. 
I mean, there will be plenty to do in heaven. There you will never be bored. You will never be disappointed. You will never want to come back to the earth when you get to the biblical heaven. But you want me to tell you something? The best part of heaven, the best part of heaven, hear this, hear this. The best part of heaven is the fact that Jesus is there. That's the best part of heaven. Jesus is there. And you know, it's sad to me that some people don't want to go to heaven. Why is it some people don't want to go to heaven? The media, media mogul Ted Turner, in an interview with the National Press Club, he said, if heaven is perfect, who wants to go to a place that is perfect and boring? Where we are, we are going, where we are going, we're going to have the opportunity to make things better because hell, he said, is supposed to be a mess. You know, the guy of... Uh, Turner Broadcasting Network, Ted Turner. Why would anyone in their right mind want to go to hell? Is there anyone here that would like to go to hell? Raise your hand, please. Anyone? No. Why? Because the Bible says that hell is dark. There is complete and utter outer darkness in heaven, in heaven. Listen, you know, people have said, you know, when I get to heaven, man, I'm going to be partying with my friends, man. I can't wait to get there. Me and my friend will party hardy, man. Listen, in hell, you won't even see your friends because it will be so completely dark. Hell is not a fun place. In hell, your senses will be in full operation. Look in Luke chapter 16 in your own time. Gives you a story and a picture of what's going on in hell in your own time. Your senses will be in full operation. Your memory, your memory bank will work just fine. I believe in hell. You will remember from the day you died backwards your life. You will remember the time that you had opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you rejected him. You will remember that. And let me tell you something. That will be probably one of the many worst pieces about hell is the fact that there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you have this unbearable, unbelievable, eternal pain and in your body Physically, hear me, in your body physically. And then you also have this memory of the fact that each time you heard the gospel, you rejected it, you rejected it, you rejected it. Then you have died unexpectedly. And then you're in hell with that memory over and over and over and over. It will play in your mind. One of the worst things about hell is that you will have to live with you for eternity. You will have to live with you for eternity. Hell is not a fun place. Why would anyone want to go there? There's moaning and weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what it means to gnash your teeth? It means that you are in such unbelievable, unbearable pain that you just kind of bite down. And... I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of pain, a pain that's just unbearable. The only thing you can do is just kind of grind your teeth. That is sad. That's sad. You shouldn't want to go to hell. You should want to go to heaven and be with Jesus. You know, there's a story told of a little boy who was going to get a puppy for his birthday. 
he was taken to the pet store where he was allowed to see several dogs. The one he picked wagged his tail furiously, and he was asked why he picked that one. He said, I wanted the one with the happy ending. (laughs) I like that. You know why I like that? Because Jesus offers to mankind two endings. He offers a happy ending. He also will allow you to experience a horrifying ending. He offers two endings. And what I love about the book of Revelation is that it has a happy ending. If you've read it, know anything about it, you know that we all live happily ever after in the kingdom of God. Now, who do you know doesn't like a happy ending? You see a movie, it's got a sad ending. And you go, oh, that was a sad ending. Bummer. Man, I feel depressed. Man, it was a sad ending. And you see a movie with a happy ending, and you go, wow, that was a great movie. I love that movie. Yeah, that was a great movie. You see that movie? Yeah, that was a great movie. Because it had a happy ending. Everyone loves a story with a happy ending. The book of Revelation has a happy ending because we find ourselves at the throne of God there in heaven, the best part of heaven. We are with Jesus Christ. And that's what John is talking about, being before the throne. You know, the first part of the chapter, John is caught up in the heaven. And the first thing that he sees is a throne that is set in heaven. And Jesus is on the throne and 24 elders around the throne. And before the throne in verse six, John sees a sea of glass like crystal like crystal now you got to get the scene here if I had a crystal glass we don't have crystal we only have Tupperware but if if, well y'all got a problem with Tupperware we're digging on Tupperware man we don't have crystal but if we had crystal I could bring in a piece of crystal and I could hold it up to this light And I could twist it around and turn it around and spin it. And the prisms and the colors would just kind of flash off the walls. Now, keep in mind what John saw. He saw this emerald green rainbow around the throne. And then he saw jasper like diamond. And then, as I said, he saw the sardis stone, which was ruby red. And all of a sudden, the rainbow is coming alive and it's kind of splashing off of him. Him who? Jesus. And shooting out from the throne, John sees Colors. It's kind of this light show thing going on. You got to get the get the flavor of what's going on here. It's electrifying and it's thundering and voices proceed from the throne. And John gets there in the heaven and shooting out from the throne is all of these colors. And he heard these living creatures chanting, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Listen, listen, what John sees is better than VHS, DVD, quadraphonics. Man, this is like living creature technology. Man, he's got, he gets there and he hears, holy, holy. Now think about it. I loved it. Love it. I love it. Every time we read this, I always have us say verse, verse uh, 8 together. You know, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I always have us do verse 11 together because I love how it sounds. 
With this, this, this many hundreds of people here in the room, it just sounds beautiful as we say it together. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It just sounds awesome. Now think about that magnified hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times as these living creatures and these beings by the millions and millions and millions and Christians throughout the ages, throughout the ages, by the hundreds of thousands, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This is, this is, this is unbelievable sound. There in the throne room, John sees these four living creatures and he gets there and notice what is the first thing that John hears. He hears worship. He hears worship. Notice John, he doesn't hear Anger when he gets to heaven. Oh, how many people think God is in heaven and he's angry? God is going to come down on your head. God is going to come down in anger and judgment upon people because he's sick and tired of you people. No. John gets to heaven. The first thing he hears is worship from the four living creatures. Now get your pen and get your pad out because I want you to start taking notes from this point on. This point on, if you take the time to look in Ezekiel chapter 1 and Ezekiel chapter 10, you will see a different picture of the four living creatures. A different picture or a different angle or Ezekiel sees kind of a, from a different advantage point in Ezekiel chapter 1 and in chapter 10. It's a different angle of these four living creatures. In Ezekiel 10 verse 20, we are told that these living creatures are cherubim. They're cherubim. And again in Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 14, it tells us that Satan was a cherubim. Now, the first time that cherubim are talked about in the Bible is when God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden because of their sin. You see, God in his mercy, he put cherubs at the gate of the garden with a flaming sword in his hand to keep them out of the garden from eating of the tree of life. God did that in his mercy. You see, Adam and Eve had already sinned, you know the story, and they were in this fallen condition. And if they would have eaten of the tree of life in that fallen condition, they would have kept getting older and older and older, and they would have lived forever in that fallen condition. So God puts a cherub in front of the gate to keep Adam and Eve from eating of the tree because God knew that if they were to eat of the tree of life in that fallen condition, they would have gotten older and older and older and they would have been thousands of years old and just getting shriveling up and just getting older and older and living forever and ever. Bummer. Not fun. I mean, think about your body decaying at its present rate and you are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old man the bible says in heaven there's no more back pain i look forward to getting to heaven because there's no be no back pain there there'll be no more sickness no more sorrow no, no more headaches no more migraines man heaven's gonna be great i i don't want to keep decaying at this present rate <laughs> 
I, you know, death is a good thing. Death can be a good thing. On God's time, death can be a good thing. Because in heaven, we'll receive new bodies. So there at the gate, God put a cherub to keep Adam and Eve out of the garden. And he put a flaming sword in the hand of that cherub just to simply keep them out. Then in Exodus, we see cherubim again. Where? They're on the mercy seat. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, we see another angelic being very similar to cherubim. Is called a seraphim. Now, what's the difference? Well, cherubim dwell around the throne, and seraphim dwell above the throne. The only time in the Bible that seraphim is used is in Isaiah chapter 6. The seraphim dwell above the throne, and cherubim dwell around the throne. Now, if you look in Ezekiel chapter 1 and you, and you look in Ezekiel chapter 10, you will see that Ezekiel sees these cherubim. And each one of them has four faces. Different than what John sees. Each one of them has four faces. The face of a lion, the face of a calf, the face of a man, and the face of an eagle. And with eyes and with four wings, Ezekiel sees. But the creatures, you notice what John sees here, each one of them have one face. Again, just a different angle. Each one of them have one face, the face of a lion, the face of a calf, the face of a man, and the face of an eagle. And they are worshiping around the throne. Now, these four living creatures are fascinating in many ways. They have Eyes, or they, they are just full of eyes in the front and in the back, which means nothing escapes their view. They never cease beholding the glory of the Lord and the purpose of God and declaring them as holy. These, these, these living creatures, they apply themselves and they don't miss anything. Very interesting. Now, since early church history, Second century and onward with Irenaeus and other great teachers. They have recognized that the four faces of the cherubim correspond with the four gospels of the New Testament. Matthew presents Jesus as king and the symbol is a lion. Matthew presents Jesus as servant and the symbol is an ox. And it speaks of servitude. Mark presents Jesus in humanity as the son of man, seen in the face of a man. And John presents Jesus as the son of God, pictured as an eagle. Matthew presents Jesus as the king. The symbol is a lion. Mark, Jesus, as you study the gospel of Mark, you see Jesus is serving. So Mark presents Jesus as a servant and the symbol is an ox, speaks of servitude. Luke presents Jesus as the son of man, speaks of humanity. We see a face and John presents him as the son of God, pictured as an eagle. Interesting, I was out a couple of days ago with a friend and we were just walking around on some um, undeveloped property and, and he saw this eagle and you guys know I'm from Philly so I'm still getting used to this nature thing out here in North Carolina I'm from the city and I, he said oh there goes an eagle there goes an eagle and I said how you know it's an eagle 
He said, well, I saw his white head when it was coming this way here. Did you know that the eagle flies higher than any other animal? And get this, the eagle is the only animal in all of creation that can look directly into the sun and not have his eyes burned out. Isn't that interesting? In other words, he's got these like polarized Ray-Bans that just kind of come down over his face. He's got these cool glasses he's flying around at me, you know, looking at his son. I think that's cool. And, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the son of God. And he is the only one that can really look on the glory of the Father. Interesting. Now, these four living creatures, who are they and what they represent? A question that still yet, after thousands of years, remains unanswered. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.